Hey, Go Church family, what an honor it is to be live streamed into your home on this Sunday. It really is such an incredible honor that you allow us the opportunity to come into your household and to share the message of Jesus Christ with you. So to all of you watching, God bless you, and we pray that you're doing well. Kimberly and I and the entire Go Church team and, and staff here, we, we miss you all so much. We miss being with our Go Church family, and I'm going to make a statement here, and I'll say it very carefully, but there does seem to be a little flickering light of hope at the end of this tunnel. Now, I know that we still have a ways to go uh, before this virus is completely removed, but thank God that many states are on the right road to recovery as a matter of fact, you're even watching the news seeing how some states around the country are beginning to reopen their economy. And I know that that presents to you some, some questions and maybe even some concerns. But I know you're thinking about, well, what about our church? Are we going to be getting back together anytime soon? And I want you to know that, that we're working with a, with a focus group on our re-entry phases. And we'll tell you more about that in the coming weeks. But I just want you to know... That we're going we're gonna to play it safe, we're going to take our time because your safety as well as your spiritual growth is our number one priority to us. And, and next Sunday, just so you kind of have an idea, next Sunday we will remain with our online only format. And then from there we'll begin to share with you some, some more information about what re-entry to church may look like in the near future. And I don't know about you, but... But I'm ready for a, a new normal, or what I've been calling a new necessary. Um, it'll be nice to actually have somebody cut my hair other than myself. Come on, somebody. So, hey, before we jump into the message today, we always give honor to the incredibly brave military men and women and all of the awesome first responders. And so today, I want to do that. We're going to give you we're going to give you some appreciation and some encouragement. Actually, if you're watching the live stream today, could you do me a favor and in the comment section, if you have a relative or a friend or someone that you love or somebody that you know that is serving in the military or they're serving as a first responder, why don't you drop their name in the comment section and then our prayer team and our staff, they're going to be happy to pray over them as we pray for protection and provision and, and that'd be just a great way to encourage them. So come on, drop in the comment section right now the name of that person and we pray over every single one of them and we just thank God for our military and first responders. And you're tuning in on the right day. We're in the second week of a three-part series that we're doing here at Go Church and we're calling it Faith, Hope, and love, faith, hope, and love. I'd love for you on the count of three to read the title of this series with me. Ready? One, two, three, faith, hope, and love. And if you're wondering what this series is all about, it's actually very simple. It's my desire over the next couple of, a couple of weeks to share with you a way that, that you and I can get a handle on the challenges of life. You know, life can be incredibly uncertain, can it? There can be a lot of unexpected challenges and twists and turns that happen in our lifetime. And sometimes if you're like me, you may feel like you're losing control or your grip is slipping. And so the idea of faith, hope, and love is to help us get a better understanding on how we can handle the challenges of life. I'll never forget when I was 13 years old, my sister and her husband took me to Bush Gardens in Tampa, Florida. And on that day, I will, I'm telling you, I will never forget it. I experienced for the first time in my life the overwhelming experience and emotion and fear and adrenaline 
and uh, uncertainty of a roller coaster. I rode my very first roller coaster. I'm going to tell you, I, I, I was screaming at the top of my lungs. Uh, we waited in line, and then it was our turn to get into the, into the little car of the roller coaster ride, and that, that safety bar came down on top of me. I mean, I was terrified, and then I will never be able to to get rid of the clicking sound in my brain as that roller coaster went up the track as it began to build the momentum to, to have a nose dive into the unknown. And, and I remember holding on to that safety bar as tightly as I could with, with every flip and with every twist and, and at every turn. And, and I remember when we got off of that, you know, roller coaster, I mean, I, this, this may be TMI, too much info, but but I threw up all over the place. Come on now. And I thought about that story and then laid it over the top of, you know, life. And, and, and I made this comparison that life can really be a lot like a roller coaster ride, can it? A lot of ups and downs, a lot of twists and turns. And, you know, in your life and my life, we've experienced that. If, if, you, if you live long enough, you will experience the roller coaster called, called life. And and I want to talk to you over the next few Sundays and few weeks on how we can get a better grip on life, how we can get a better handle on life as we ride this, this roller coaster. And, and we're going to give you a theme verse. Uh, we've used this last Sunday. We're going to use it each Sunday in this series. And we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, more specifically the 13th verse of 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And, and you and I know this as the love chapter. We know this as the wedding chapter. Just about every wedding that, that you've ever uh, been a part of, or maybe even in your own wedding, or any wedding that you've ever, you know, went to celebrate, a husband and wife, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, they have used 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And that's not a bad thing, because it does talk to us about the spiritual aspect of love. But just like last Sunday, let me quickly give you a little bit of context behind the tone and the, the, tone and the temperature of this particular letter that the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. Because it's important for you to know that Paul was not affirming the people of Corinth for a job well done on how they loved one another. Paul was actually calling them out, and he was calling them to action. And Paul was, Paul was saying, look, I need you to do a better job loving one another in spite of your differences, in spite of the unique dynamics of this community of people, because Corinth was an incredibly diverse group of individuals. It was an incredibly diverse community. They were diverse in their ethnicity. They were diverse in their gender, diverse in their age, diverse in their social status. They were diverse in their wealth. They were diverse in their religion. And their diversity caused some conflict. And that conflict created them to be a very fragmented and broken society and people. And Paul writes and reminds them, he writes them this letter to remind them and to challenge them that their diversity is a non-negotiable. And Paul demands them in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that they've got to get along and they have to embrace their differences and they can do all of that under the umbrella of faith, hope, and love. Let me show you the verse for a moment here. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, your Bible says, and now these three Remain. On the count of three, say this word, remain with me. One, two, three, remain. And these three remain. If you read different translations of, of the Bible, you may see like in the King James version of Scripture, uh, the, the Bible reads it this way, and abideth these three. And I like that. These three remain. 
remain means that. It means to abide, or it means to stay, or it means to last forever. And I know you know this, but there are a lot of things in life that have an expiration date attached to them. You know what I'm talking about? That milk in your refrigerator has an expiration date. The batteries that, that you put into to different devices, they, they have an expiration date. As a matter of fact, a couple nights ago, the batteries in the smoke detector in my son's bedroom went out at about 2 a.m. in the morning. And uh, we woke up to that notification, that beeping notification that the batteries had expired in the smoke detector. I think about motor oil. You know this, but about every three, four, five thousand miles, you got to change the oil in your vehicle because it has expired. That actually is probably a good reminder for some of you. You know, our relationships, some of our relationships can have an expiration date. Some of our friendships might have an expiration date. Here's the reality. Even, even our earthly bodies have an expiration date. But the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, and he's reminding us all of these years later, that when everything else expires, when everything else fails, when everything else is gone, when there's nothing else left, look at what remains. He says, and now these three, when everything else is done with, these three things will always stand firm. These three things will always abide. These three things will always last. They will always stay. And he says, they are faith. They are hope and they are love. Come on, church. And these three things are the secret weapons for a Christian. These three things are our squad. This, this, is, our, this is our big three. That when the world is falling apart and people are uncertain and they're terrified and there's fear and, and there's panic and they're trying to get a grip on the roller coaster of life, as a Christian, we can hold on tight to faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope. And love. I'm a big sports fan, and I love, I love basketball, college basketball, and I love the NBA as well. And, and I've, I've been a Miami Heat fan since the inception of that organization in the late 80s. And I, I grew up watching some of the great basketball players play for the Miami Heat. And, and I watched as we won championships in 2006 and 2012 and 2013. And I also watched as a few very real possibilities to win a championship slipped through our finger. But something happened in the 2010-2011 season for the Miami Heat organization that changed basketball forever. We were introduced to the big three. And many of you remember this, but that was the, the offseason that LeBron James announced that he would be partnering up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and they would be forming the big three. And I want to tell you this, church, that, that the big three in Christianity, faith, hope, and love is greater than any big three in the basketball court or any other analogy you can think of. This is our big three. This is, this is our squad. These three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And that's what this series is about. Holding on tightly to faith, hope, and love during the roller coaster of life. Isn't that good? So last week, we talked about faith. We dove in deep to the idea of faith. If you missed last week's message, jump back online, watch the, the video on demand there. Today, though, we're going to talk about hope. 
going to dive in a little bit deeper on the topic of hope. So, so let's start off with this. I want you to take a lot of notes today because there's a few thoughts that I have that I think you should write down. So let's talk about this. What is hope? What is hope? The first place that I went to, I went to the Bible, but I also went to Google. I Googled hope and Webster's Dictionary defined hope as such. Webster defined hope like this. It is a desire and that desire is accompanied by expectation of fulfillment. Or it is a desire accompanied by the expectation or belief in fulfillment. And the Bible gives us a great definition of what hope is. We looked at this last Sunday. Go with me in your Bible here to uh, Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 1. It says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. It is assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. A great biblical definition of hope. So if you're taking notes, write this thought down. I think you'll like this. Faith then would be the vehicle, but hope is the destination. Come on, church. We get into the vehicle called faith and we want it to take us to the destination called, called hope. See, faith is a now thing. Somebody say now. Faith is a now thing, but hope is a future thing. Hope is a future thing. Faith tells us that we can have hope for tomorrow and that tomorrow will be better than today is. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's the gospel of Annie that you can bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there will be sun. That is hope. We can have hope that there will be a tomorrow and tomorrow will be better than today. Let me look in the camera and make this real personal. When you hold on to hope, faith, hope, and love, when you hold on to hope, there is a desire that tomorrow, your tomorrow will be better than your today. And maybe you're watching this message and you're wondering, well, how, how can someone have hope in the middle of what we're going through? Or make, make it more personal to you. You're, you're sitting there watching thinking, how, how can I have hope in the middle of the mess of my marriage or the sickness in my body or the, the, the loss of job that just took place? How, how are you telling me that I can have hope in the middle of this storm? How can you tell me that I can have hope as I'm literally on this roller coaster ride and I feel like I've lost control? I'm going to show you today how you can hold on to hope in the middle of crisis. Hebrews chapter 6 verse number 19 says this. The hope we have is an anchor. Come on, say that word anchor. Anchor. The hope we have is an anchor for the soul, a hope both secure and steadfast. Hope is an anchor. And you can tie yourself to the anchor of hope. So no matter what comes at you, no matter what storms come your way, you are tied to the anchor of hope. A few summers ago, Kimberly and I, we uh, went up to the lake and, and we, we don't own a boat. Maybe one day we'll own a boat or maybe you're watching this live stream and you want to sow a, sow a boat ministry into, into Go Church and your pastor. I, I received that in Jesus' name, but we rented a boat. And so we went to the lake and, 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 and we, we go rent a boat and, you know, we sign all of the, the waivers and the paperwork. I give them my credit card and, you know, the, the, the guy comes out to give us instructions on the boat and... You know, I, I, I acted like I knew what I was doing. I, I grew up in, you know, South Florida, living on the Gulf of Mexico. Water is my life. Come on now. So I'm like, yeah, I got it. 
Well, we finally get out on the open waters of the lake and we're enjoying the day and we decided to drop anchor and go for a swim with the family. And we had some friends with us and, and that anchor allowed the boat to stay in that particular area so that we could go swimming. So after we went for a swim, we got back into the boat and I just put the boat in drive and I took off. I forgot to pull the anchor up. Let me tell you what happened. The anchor stayed and the rope became untied and the boat kept moving. And I want to tell you that story to give you this thought. That is exactly what the enemy would love to do to your life. He wants you to become untied from the anchor. He wants to untie you from the anchor of hope. And whenever you become untied to the anchor of hope, what happens? I'm going to tell you what happens. And many of you can relate to this. Discouragement sets in. See, if, if hope is your anchor, if you become untied to the anchor of hope, then discouragement sets in. And, and we've, all, we've all felt that way before. We've all felt some discouragement in our life. Look at what Job said in the middle of his crisis, in the middle of his pandemic, in the middle of his roller coaster ride of life. He said this, he says, now trouble comes to you and you become what? Discouraged. And, and the trouble strikes you and you become dismayed. See, whenever you become untied to the anchor of hope, discouragement sets in and then it goes a level deeper. And then all of a sudden we begin to experience the effects and the emotion of depression because the enemy would love for you to be depressed. But when we are anchored to hope, that's how we overcome the battle of depression. Proverbs 13 talks about this idea. This uh, King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived said this. He said, if hope becomes deferred, it makes the heart sick. If you untie yourself from the anchor of hope, if you defer hope, you will become sick. And discouragement sets in, depression sets in. And then here's a third one. Whenever you untie yourself from the anchor of hope, now you feel a sense of despair. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote 1 Corinthians 13, also wrote 2 Corinthians, and he talked about his battle of, of despair as well. Here's what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, my brothers and sisters, about the troubles. Anybody having any troubles? He says, I don't want you to be uninformed about the troubles that we experienced while we were in the province of Asia. He said, we were under great pressure, and the pressure was far beyond our ability to endure. And watch, so that we despaired of life itself. Lean in for a second. It is the primary objective of the enemy to come to steal, kill, and destroy. But church, we can hold on tight to the secret weapon of hope. If we anchor down in hope and believe that God will see us through, God will do just that. He'll see us through. And I, I have been praying for you so much during all of this pandemic and, and during this crisis and, and the prayer that I've been praying and I've really been praying this over you this week is Romans 15 verse 13. And I, I wanna speak this over your household. I wanna speak this over your situation. I wanna speak this over your life. I wanna speak this over you in this moment that the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. May he give you peace as you trust in him so that you can, and I love this, so that you, you, the one that's watching right now that clicked onto this live stream, feeling discouraged, feeling depressed, feeling in despair, so that you, 
no matter what the roller coaster ride is like, so that you could overflow with hope. You can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that in the name of Jesus, that God would fill you with hope because he is a God of hope and you would overflow with that hope. Now, now you're thinking a great question and the question is this, how, how can this become a reality for me? How can I go from being untied to the anchor of hope and feeling overwhelmed and beat down and discouraged and depressed and in despair to, to not only being filled with hope, but to be overflowing with hope? So I'm, I'm going to try to teach this to you, and, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an acronym for the word hope, an acronym for the word hope. And, and I, I, I was in college five years, and I, I paid $50,000 to get a degree in pastoral studies with a minor in Bible theology so that I could give you an acronym for hope. Come on, I'm a genius. That's right. I want you to see this. I want you to overflow with hope. And here's the acronym. The first one is this, the letter H. If you want to be filled with hope and you want to overflow with hope, you've got to have healthy relationships. It's the only way that you can tie yourself to the anchor of hope is to have healthy relationships, to have right relationships. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm telling you, I'm talking to somebody. You've got too many friendships and you have too many relationships that are negative. They're negative. They're, they're toxic. They're ungodly. They're, those relationships and friendships, they're not full of hope. They're full of hopelessness. And I don't know about you, but but I don't want my life to be connected to people that tear me down. No, I want my life to be connected to people that build me up and encourage me and, and can help me to believe in hope that my tomorrow will be better than, than my today. Oh, man, there's so many places in the Bible that I could pause and share with you a, you know, a story about this idea of having right relationships. But, but the one that was really heavy on my heart this week was related to King David. It's uh, found in 2 Samuel chapter number 23, and it's about King David and his mighty men. Let me give you a little context here of, of this particular reference of, of Bible scripture. So David is a fugitive. He's, he's on the run. He's hiding from King Saul, who is attempting to murder him, to kill him. So David makes his way to the cave of Adullam. And with him are about 400 people strong, and they're all holed up on the inside of this cave. They're hiding out, hoping that they won't be found by King Saul, who wants King David dead. So at some point in this, uh, this, this, this scheme to hide away, David steps out of the cave of Adullam, and he's standing at the mouth of the cave, and the location of, of cave Adullam overlooks the little town of Bethlehem. Now, you know who was born in Bethlehem. It was Jesus. But you know who else was born in Bethlehem? David. So David, a fugitive, hiding out so that he's not murdered, now stands over this uh, mouth of the cave of Adullam, looking at his hometown, and he becomes incredibly nostalgic. And all of a sudden, he begins to hope. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter number 23, Verse number 15, that David longed for water. He hoped for water from his hometown. And this is what he said. Oh, that someone would just give me a drink 
of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. And I want you to see why having healthy relationships really matter. And I want, I, when you see this, I want you to get these types of relationships. Be done with the types of relationships that are toxic and negative and harmful and get you some friends like this. From inside of the cave, David's mighty men, David's big three, David's companions, they overheard his cry of hope and his longing and watch what happened. So the three mighty warriors, they broke through the Philistine lines and they drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and they carried it back to David. That's the kind of relationships that you need because when you have healthy relationships, you can hold on to hope. Come on, can you light up the comment section right now and give me a good amen? Come on, somebody. Have healthy relationships. That's how you not only become full of hope, but you overflow with hope. Here's a second thought. Remember, I'm giving you an acronym for the word hope. The second thing that I wanna encourage you to do, if you wanna be filled with hope and overflow with hope, you need to obsess over God's word. I want you to obsess over the word of God. Now, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Here's the truth. It's really easy to doubt hope for tomorrow. It's easy to doubt hope for tomorrow because tomorrow has so many questions and today has so many questions. I mean, we've got questions about so many thoughts that we don't have a real answer to. And I want to tell you something about your questions. It's okay, it's okay to have questions, but, but your questions can become costly if you don't obsess over God's word and you obsess over the unknown. Think about it like this. If you go back to the beginning of humanity and you go back to the beginning of scripture, you go to Genesis chapter number three, you see Satan, the enemy the serpent. And the Bible says that one of the first attacks of the enemy, one of the first temptations of the devil was what? He poses a question. That's what he does. He takes God's word and he manipulates it and he challenges Eve to say, did God really say? Look at Genesis chapter three, verse number one, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden. Watch, question, question. And that tactic, that scheme, that plot, that plan that the enemy used thousands of years ago, he still uses today. See, the enemy tries to rob us from our hope. He tries to untie us to the anchor of hope with questions. He says, hey, he wants you to think, will my, marriage, will my marriage last? Will my marriage work out? Will, will my kids be okay? Will they turn out all right? Uh, will, will, will I keep my job in the middle of this crisis and this, this pandemic? Are my finances gonna be okay? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Here's a big one. Am I gonna get the virus and die? But I wanna tell you, church, and I want you to lean in real quick. Listen to your pastor for a moment. The God that we serve is not a God of the question mark. No, the God that we serve gives us a godly hope and he is an exclamation mark. Come on now, he's an exclamation point. And I want you, if you wanna be full of hope and you wanna overflow with hope, you've got to obsess 
with God's word, not the word of the newspaper, not the word of the internet, not the, new, not the word of, uh, of the media, not the words of the enemy, not the words of the naysayers. No, you obsess with the word of God because in the word of God are over 3,000 promises. And if you are a follower of Christ Jesus, every single one of those promises has your name written on them, exclamation mark. Come on now. Let me give you a few. Philippians chapter number four, verse 19. God will, exclamation mark, God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Watch this, uh, Isaiah 53, verse five, because some of the question is, am I going to be sick? Watch, Isaiah 53, five gives us an exclamation point that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And watch this exclamation point. And by his wounds, we are healed. For those of you that are afraid, watch the exclamation mark. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, no, or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Ephesians 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, watch, blessed us with every spiritual blessing, in the heavenly realms, because we are united, we're tied together with Christ. Let me give you one more. All I'm trying to say to you today is you can have an exclamation mark. That is how you're full of hope, and that's how you overflow with hope, because you obsess with the word of God, because in God's word, he made you a promise. Are you listening to me? In God's word, he gave you an oath, and he swore by it to his own name, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 and verse 18. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham, which, by the way, that promise to Abraham has been passed down to me and you. And watch what he says. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name. God said with an exclamation mark, he said, this is my word, and I'm going to hold fast to it, and I swear to God in his own name. Watch what it says in verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. And these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him in refuge, we can have great confidence. Here it is again, as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Church, listen, this is how you are full of hope and this is, how, this is how you overflow with hope. You obsess with God's word. Come on and give Jesus some thanks. Come on now. Two more thoughts and we'll be done for the day. Uh, you want to overflow with hope? Patience is key. You got to have patience. See, I don't, I don't know, for those of you tuning in today, I don't know what it is that you're hoping for. But I need to tell you that whatever it is that you're longing for, whatever it is that you're hoping for, it may not come in an instant. See, see, we don't, we, don't, we don't serve the God of the microwave. We serve the God of the crock pot. Are you hearing me? The God that we serve is a God of the process. And I preach this all the time. Write it down because you need to know this. Some of you are in this waiting season. The bigger the promise, the longer the process. Do you see that? So if you want to tie yourself to the anchor of hope, patience is key. It's critical because the bigger the promise the longer the process. Let me give you some thoughts here. I think about Abra Abraham. Abraham was 75 years old when God promised him a son. 
And then Isaac came 25 years after that promise. And now Abraham is 100. I think of Joseph. At 17 years old, Joseph had a dream that he would be promoted to high levels of leadership, governmental leadership. And then that fulfillment of the promise through a roller coaster ride story didn't happen until he was 30. I think about David. David was anointed to be king when he was 10, but he wasn't appointed to be king until he was 30. I think about Jesus. Jesus waited 30 years before his public ministry was launched. I think about Jacob. Jacob waited patiently for Rachel for seven years. And then at the end of the seven years, he was tricked, married her sister Leah, and he had to wait seven more years before he ever ended up with Rachel. I think about the children of Israel. They waited 432 years for a deliverer. I think about Moses. Moses waited 80 years before he could confront Pharaoh. A lot of scholars believe that it took Noah 100 years to build the ark. What am I saying to you? I'm telling you that the bigger the promise, the longer the process. But here's good news. Write this down. Your waiting time is not a wasted time. Come on, church. Whatever you're waiting on, Whatever you're hoping for, that's not a wasted season. Patience is key. Come on, have healthy relationships. Obsess with God's word, not anybody else's word, and have patience in the process. Because hear me, if God said it, then it shall be done. Let me give you one more thought here. This is the acronym for hope, and this is how you can not only be full of hope, but you can overflow with hope. You need to expect the best. Expect the best. Again, I don't know who this is for, but let me tell you, some of us need to stop being such a Debbie Downer. Stop being so pessimistic. Stop being so negative. Stop being so critical. Stop, stop, stop being so gloomy. You, you got to stop seeing the glass as half empty and start seeing the glass as half full. Some of you you don't expect the best. No, you immediately expect the worst. Uh, some of you, you, you got a little cough and you just, you're thinking, man, I'm going to die from the coronavirus. Come on, stop expecting the worst in life and start expecting the best in life. And I don't know about you, but even through this wild roller coaster, even through all of the chaos of our current reality, I am overly optimistic. I am I'm overly optimistic because I am expecting the best as we come through this. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, come on, even as you walk through the unknown, you've got to expect the best and you have to have some optimism, not, not being so pessimistic, but have some, have some hope because I've got, I've got faith that can move mountains. Come on now. I am anchored in hope. And my love through Jesus Christ, it will win. I serve a God that has never failed me. And he's not going to start failing me today. Come on, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. Come on, church. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I live under the shadow of the Most High. I walk in the promise of Psalm 91. I am hopeful for tomorrow, and I can expect the best 
because my confidence is in Jesus and Jesus never fails. Listen to me. Hope has a name and his name is Jesus. I don't know why some of you have such a negative view of God. God's not up in heaven trying to figure out a, a big plan to destroy your life, to ruin your life. No, God's got a good plan for you. God's got a great future for you. Whenever you read the original translation of the New Testament, it's written in Greek. The Greek word for hope is the word elpizo. And it literally means to expect the best. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it this way. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. Come on, stop expecting the worst. You need to expect the best because God's plan is to give you a hope and to give you a future. Come on. I pray that, that you are full of hope and you overflow with hope by having healthy relationships, obsessing with the word of God, knowing that patience is key, and then you begin to expect the best. I, I was reading a, an article the other day, and, and when I read it, I knew I wanted to tell this story. The story in the article was about a businessman that was flying from Hong Kong back to New York City some years ago. And he gets on the airplane, and, and they take off from Hong Kong, and they're headed back to the United States. And a few hours into the flight, the flight attendant comes over the intercom of the airplane and says, the captain has turned on the seatbelt sign. We're going to experience a little turbulence. We need you to fasten your seatbelt and remain in your seat. So a few moments pass, and the flight attendant gets back over the, the microphone and says, we're about to enter into a very dangerous storm. We're going to have to suspend the drink cart and, and the meal that we had planned. We won't be able to serve that right now. We need you to remain seated and don't get out of your seat. Fasten your seatbelt. Well, this businessman had made many trips before, but the fear of that moment gripped him and he lost all hope. He began to suffer from an extreme panic attack and as he was trying to calm himself and kind of get his thoughts together. And I don't know if you've ever experienced a panic attack, but the challenge of that, he, he looked over out of the corner of his eye and sitting next to him was a little girl just reading her book. And he says to the little girl, he says, how, how are you so calm right now? Can't you hear the thunder and see the lightning and the roar of the engines? And can't you feel us drop in altitude in the middle of this storm? And the little girl looked up to him and said, Mr., you don't have to be afraid. And the guy says to her, he says, how are you so calm? And the little girl put a big smile on her face and she said, because my daddy's the pilot and he promised me that he'd get me home. I want to tell you, whoever's watching this live stream today, your daddy, your father in heaven is the pilot and he promises to get you home. Our hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And we can hold on to the promise that we will get through it. We can expect the best because our God is the best. Come on, go church. Let me give you this closing question. So what is it that you're hoping for? What is it that you've, you've tied your anchor of hope to? Maybe you're hoping to break free from an addiction or maybe you're hoping for some financial freedom or 
Maybe you're hoping to lose, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds, or maybe you're hoping that your marriage will be restored or that that broken relationship between you and your child is reconciled. Or maybe you're hoping that your spiritually lost, you know, son or daughter would be saved. Or, you know, maybe you're hoping that you can go back to school and finish your degree so one day you can give incredible acronyms like the one I gave you today. Whatever it is, whatever you're hoping for, here's my prayer for you. I read it to you earlier. I want to give it to you one more time. Romans 15, 13. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him. Come on. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you, Jesus. Whoever's watching this message, whether they're watching it on this Sunday or in the days to come, wherever they are, whoever they are, whenever they're watching, may this word bring encouragement to their heart that they can be full of hope and even overflow with hope. And as life becomes uncertain, we can hold our grip to these things that will remain, faith, hope, and love. All our hope all our confidence, all our trust is in you. May we stop putting our hope in things that fail us. Let us put our hope in you because you never fail. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And the church said, amen. Listen, if you're watching this live stream today and you're ready to commit your life to Jesus, our living hope, if you're ready to put your hope in one who will never let you down, because we're in this uh, digital age right now, I want you to take advantage of this. I want you to take out your cell phone and all you gotta do is text this word commit to 84576 and somebody from our team, they're gonna reach out to you and they're going to be one of those healthy relationships that you now can have as you begin this new spiritual journey, this new faith walk in your hope in Christ Jesus. Maybe this isn't the first time that you're going to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Christ, and you're hoping for hope, don't delay. Say yes to Jesus today. God bless you, and go church.